Well, folks, how is it going? Thursday, the, what is it, 25th, 26th, 27th, I think. You kind of lose track of days, don't you? In the period between Christmas and New Year. It's like, you know, you don't know where you are. It's kind of a no man's land type of thing. Um, well, that's what it feels like now at the minute. Uh, not that I'm doing nothing. I'm, I'm, I've plenty to keep me going, and I'm sure you do too. But uh, I wasn't going to bang out another episode before New Year, um, or before the final one, which is around New Year's Eve-ish type of thing. This weekend, uh, I was gonna, I was gonna just hold fire. But uh, yesterday, I put together uh, the new or the updated free version of the Artist Manifesto, which now includes the front matter of the book plus chapters one and two and I thought it would be good to tell you about that and where to get it. Uh, if you're already a subscriber at larrygmaguire.com and you get my articles, well then you would have received an email from me uh, last night with links to the Moby version, the EPUB version and the PDF version. So if you haven't got them already, there'll be a link in today's episode uh, notes where you can where you can go and get those. Uh, so no matter what, uh, software you use to uh, consume ebooks, uh, you should be able to uh, upload one of these EPUB, uh, Mobi, and PDF. Um, I should say, uh, by way of introduction, if you've never listened to this podcast before, I'm Larry G. McGuire. I'm a writer and artist at larrygmcguire.com. Uh, you'll also find me on patreon.com. I'm on, I'm on Twitter at Larry G. McGuire. I'm over on Facebook, uh, Larry G. McGuire. And uh, where else? I have a bit of a presence on LinkedIn and a few other places, but that, that's primarily where you get my stuff. I write about creativity uh, and its relationship to work, and or, or in most cases, its non-relationship to work. The work we do, most of us, uh, uh, tends to be devoid of real creativity. You know, it's our work is very much boxed in. We're very much boxed into our roles, and uh, we often carry out our work for the sake of it um, or for the sake of the paycheck at the end of the week or end of the month <clears throat> and that's our motivation and I think there's something there's something up with that you know um, it doesn't quite do it for us for most of us you know uh, we can't wait to get away from our work it's a means to an end it's transactional I'll give you hours if you give me money type of stuff and there's very, very little fulfillment um, or true happiness, if indeed there even is a such thing as happiness in the work that we do. And I think we should change that. Uh, and that's what this book is about. But with adjustment here on the mic. Um, because, you see, I don't believe it's worth it if we don't get gratification and fulfillment from our work. What's the point? We just kind of kick the can down the road and expect this idealistic state to suddenly arrive somewhere in the future. But it never does. And so I wrote a book. It's called The Artist's Manifesto. And I'm still writing it. I'm in the edit phase, the final editing phase. And it's due for release very shortly. <clears throat> so uh, in the process of doing that uh, yesterday, I've updated the free version, as I said. And you can get that on LarryGMcGuire.com. You can get it on Patreon.com. And uh, you can also get it on the Facebook page, Larry G. McGuire. 
and a few other places. If you're on LinkedIn and you're connected to me on LinkedIn, you'll get it there too. I posted uh, a link there yesterday, or was it today? One or the other. Anyway, uh, today I'm going to read for you uh, from the preface, a preface, 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 whatever way you want to pronounce it. And uh, although this is pretty much where it will be for the published version, there may be some changes. So here we go. The Artist Manifesto, preface by Larry G. McGuire. It was late. Joanne and the kids were asleep. As I sat at the kitchen table at odds with myself and the work I was in, I began to write the first few words of what I would later call the Artist's Manifesto. I had recently taken a project management role with an engineering firm as a short-term solution to a difficult financial situation. Previous to that, the business I had spent 15 years building had failed. I needed to find my place again. The content that I was writing had occupied my mind in fragmented chunks for a long time and late in the silence as the clock plunked on the wall, it began to come together. What the words became is an expression of what I stand for, my relationship with the world and the overall meaning and purpose of life and work as I have come to understand it. The contents of this book outline what I believe it means to not only create something meaningful to oneself and others, but also how every one of us might live a happy and fulfilling life through our work, no matter what our chosen career path. To preface this book, and at the risk of appearing somewhat self-indulgent, I feel it's appropriate to let you know my work, background, and how I came to write The Artist's Manifesto. If you should currently find yourself in a challenging situation, take solace in the fact that change is inevitable. You will find your way. I am an artist, and because you're reading this, I guess you are too, even if you're not currently calling yourself one. I've always been an artist, although for a very long time I avoided admitting that to myself. Since I was a child, I had that feeling of something bigger and broader, waiting to come true, waiting for me. It was something inside me, a part of me that I couldn't explain. It drew me to weird people, to freaks, people with tattoos and crazy hair and crazy clothes. It brought me to underground music shops, to bars with alternative music, lyrics of songs, arty, non-conformist things, and dissenting opinions of the world. It brought me to the hidden meaning in things, to that deeper, more profound reality that escapes most of us. It all just felt like it was my place. I would take great pleasure in doing nothing, thinking, smoking out my bedroom window, dreaming of the girl down the street, and wondering what that bright halo was around the streetlights at night that nobody I knew could explain. I was a dreamer, and it didn't go, go down well with some people. Once at a parent-teacher meeting, my form teacher told my parents I needed to concentrate more on mathematics instead of staring out the window. You see, my compliance and that of my peers was more important to him than anything we could dream of for ourselves. Like most kids, my natural creative instinct was discouraged in favour of a one-size-fits-all model for life. This model was the one I would end up following. Nothing unique in this, since the early 1800s when compulsory education first became broadly established in society, systems of education have imposed on us a universal template for successful life and work. Knowledge is vital for healthy development and growth, of course. However, the old assembly line model for education is no longer workable in this contemporary society. 
Nowhere in the natural world will we find any two things identical, and although we are very similar, every human being is unique. Despite our uniqueness, we are lined up, made to wear the same clothes, told when to use the toilet and when to eat, when to remember and repeat the same stuff. It's like we are pawns for the machine. I am an adult now, and I can reflect soberly on all of this. However, like every other kid, I had to follow the well-beaten track. Instead of following what felt natural to me, I chose to fit in. I decided it was best to be normal, to get a job, to stick to the pre-written rules for life, work and success. But it didn't last. Bright shiny things. I started working when I was 15. Every day as a young apprentice, I was committed to doing the best work I possibly could. It was automatic. I have no idea why, but attention to detail was paramount for me. There were those who recognised it and soon they afforded me higher responsibility, but many others around me didn't value the effort I put into my work. I realised that most adults worked a job as a means to an end. It was transactional. The underlying rule was, do as little as possible, give them hours and they'll give you money. As long as I was an employee, I had little control over how the system worked. I had to follow the rules and avoid setting too high a standard because the rules said just about acceptable was good enough. I felt uncomfortable working to a subpar standard and as I got older and braver I developed an urge to do my own thing. I was tired of living up to shitty work standards and lackadaisical attitudes of my fellow workers. So I used the skills I had acquired and the fear of little to build something of which I could be proud. With the technical skills I had gained and the focus on quality the business grew fast and soon provided me with good clients and a good income. I insisted on the best from myself and the people working for me, but despite this, it wasn't long before I found the same problems I had as an employee. People just didn't want to play at the level I did. The boom years of the early 2000s were all set, and as new business, business flooded in the door, the pressure to deliver was high. In my now relentless pursuit of status and success, it wasn't long before I was making poor decisions. I began to hire people on a whim and ignore the standards I had set for myself for the sake of just getting things done. I started to disregard the principles I had held so important for so long in the pursuit of the next job, the next big thing. Leading up to the bust in 2008-2009, the entire country, including me, couldn't see further than its own nose. I was the microcosm of the macrocosm, and just like everyone else, I fell for the lure of bright shiny things. It's true that we can only ignore the truth for so long before it jumps up and bites us. And after several years in ignorance, I was finally forced to face the senselessness of it all. The economic slowdown arrived and by 2010 there were far fewer opportunities in my line of business. I held on for as long as possible, but with customers in short supply, pending legal actions and debt burden at an unsustainable level, I had no option but to accept my mentor's advice and close the company giving up. With the closure of the business, I had completely lost my sense of self. Everything I had built over the previous 15 years and the apparent status that came with it was gone. I tried to get things started again, but I had lost the drive and the will that had given me the initial energy to start my own thing. A second business soon followed the force down the tubes, and although there was less collateral damage this time around, I decided I had had enough. It was time to give up the fight, to retreat, and take stock of what I was doing and where I was going. 
I had some savings and a couple of investments that I cashed in, but for the most part I was broke as a pie crust. I began to sell things just to pay the bills. Bikes, tools, electronics, anything that I, that I thought could command a price, I sold it. I began doing some freelance marketing and web work for a couple of business people, which brought in a few quid, but given the predominantly negative state of mind I was in, most of that turned sour. I couldn't find a good client if one fell out of the sky and hit me on top of the head. Banks were standing, were sending the demand letters. Debt collectors were phoning and calling to my door, and I could barely bring myself to spare the price of a cup of coffee. I remember one Saturday morning my kids asked me to bring them for breakfast. I didn't have the heart to say no, but my bank account was in the toilet. I think I was down to my last 20 euro. As I approached the till, I was dreading the response. Sorry, sir, your card has been declined. Man, that was shit. Luckily, on this occasion, I had just about enough to pay the bill. For three years, I did little of any significance work-wise, although I did carry out some charity work that had significant positive effect on the lives of several sick children and their families. It also provided me with some sense of purpose. I should recognise, too, that I was running marathons and training hard at the same time, and I had become fitter physically than I had ever been before. So while my professional career, personal and family financial situation were in a manure, my health and fitness were better than ever. But that aside, I mostly just sat in my kitchen and stared out the window, just like I did when I was a kid. I was back where I started. During that difficult period, I listened to and read over and over again material from people like Alan Watts and James Allen. They and others helped me figure a lot of things out about myself and my place in the world. Eventually, I began to understand and most importantly remember who I was. On the inside, I was witnessing significant positive personal change, self-realisation and awareness I hadn't felt before. In stark contrast, the outside was a bit of a mess. My wife shouldered the majority of the financial responsibility during this time, for which, for which I am eternally grateful. However, with debt collections never far away, the tension between us was high. A turning point. I used to hold fast to the idea that we should never give up, no matter what, to stick to the task until you get what you want. Now, there is some merit to that statement in some respects, However, I feel there is a fair dose of clarity required around what it actually means. If you believe, as I did, that never giving up entails keeping the blinkers on, your head down pushing forward with whatever is not working until something changes, then what will what we tend to label as a failure will be perpetual. Momentum will dictate results. Successfully applying the concept of never giving up requires an understanding that we never can and never do no matter what the outside circumstances look like or how we react. So in that there is an irony. Perhaps we need to fail before we succeed. Maybe we need to know both sides of the thing to truly understand. It is true that to realise the success we want, we are required to give up, temporarily speaking. In giving up, we must relinquish our need to have it a certain way. The artist's manifesto, and in particular the principle of purposeful accident, which we will cover in a later chapter, explores this idea. In all challenges of life and work, there are ups and downs, an ebb and flow, and if we are too rigid to the outcome, to what lies at the peak or the trough of experience, then we lose the benefit. We fail to learn anything. Experience teaches. Words don't teach. 
Never giving up to most people means gritting your teeth, tensing your muscles and fighting it out. But this is exhausting and eventually a resolve suffers. In reality, the only way to win is to relax, to accept the current conditions and realise they are temporary. Take your foot off the gas, slow down, diffuse the difficulty and focus instead on something small and unrelated. I realised this as I sat in that kitchen chair with my back to the wall, listening to the clock tick while staring out the window at my friend, the birch tree. I learned that only when we slow down can we allow ourselves to reach a turning point and gently take it. Consider this book as an arrow pointing the way towards that turning point. Why write this book? Lots of what I write I'm sure some will consider rubbish, and that's fine. Maybe this book is rubbish. All I know is that I am somehow compelled to write it and share ideas within it. I like writing. It allows me to express something ultimately inexpressible. Such is the nature of the self and its will to know itself, to express it through our art and work enables it to be free for a short while until it needs to be something else. To deny its expression or conceal it with ulterior motivations starves us of happiness and fulfilment. However, many of us operate in this way. We do work we prefer not to do and then justify it by referring to the thickness of our wallets and the many responsibilities we have or we convince ourselves that we are too old, that it's too late to change. Little do we know that it is this reluctance to accept change, the only true reality there is, which is at the heart of our unhappiness and discontent. Like our insensitivity to the low-level hum of a fridge in the background, we have become accepting and comfortable in our discomfort. This book offers an alternative to the standard thought model of how life should be. The Artist's Manifesto is a creative philosophy for life and work. It is a philosophy to which I can align. I wrote The Artist's Manifesto to remind me of what's important. It is also a means by which to encourage you to create things for the sake of it, without the need for applause. It is a call for you to, to return to your heart and create with passion and integrity and commitment. It is a message from you to yourself to stay connected to your creative spirit and to be utterly selfish concerning your work because the doing of something for its own sake is reason enough to do it. That is what the artist's manifesto is about. Taking hold of an idea, and regardless of how it is received, pursuing it to its ends for the personal gratification and enjoyment that it brings. Consider the artist's manifesto a message from you to you. Consider it your call to arms, to fight the good fight, to ignore the imposed opinions of others, of the fickle crowd, Consider it an invitation to return to yourself. I hope you'll take it. Oh, and I should say, the girl down the street of whom I used to dream as I stared at my bedroom window, that's who I married. Thanks for listening to this episode of uh, The LARP. The uh, previous reading just there was uh, or is the preface to the book, The Artist Manifesto, and you can grab it over at LarryGMcGuire.com. You can grab it over on Patreon too. And I should say, if you decide to become a paying patron, a supporter of my work, I'll send you a free copy uh, of the full book. Uh, a particular level, I think it's a, is it the $10 level? I can't remember. I'll send you a paperback and... Uh, uh, a series of postcards to celebrate the launch, 21 postcards featuring quotes from famous writers and authors and philosophers and stuff 
They're pretty cool. You can check them out over on Patreon too. Um, you've been listening to The Larb. Uh, I've been Larry G. McGuire. This podcast is created using Anchor. And you can catch it on iTunes, uh, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, SoundCloud. Everywhere good podcasts are available, you can catch the show. Uh, I'll have one more episode uh, before the end of the year. And I hope you'll uh, catch that too. Uh, that'll come probably over the weekend. And uh, whatever you get up to in the meantime, uh, do it well. And I'll chat to you then. Please do drop me a line if you have any feedback or otherwise. Uh, Larry at LarryGMaguire.com. You can catch me on Twitter at LarryGMaguire. And uh, on Anchor, actually, you can send me a voice message if you want. Uh, check out the LARB podcast over on Anchor. All right, folks, thanks for listening to this episode. I appreciate it a lot. Hope you had a good year, and I'll be chatting to you, as I said, before the year is out. Uh, until then, take it easy. Have a good one.